Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I'm your host, Ryan Winder. Remember, what happens in Vegas is not staying in Vegas as I bring you helpful tips for life with the Vegas twist. Let's start the episode. All right, everybody, welcome to the Vegas Therapist Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Winder, and welcome into part two of Let's Talk About Sex. Um, I'm sure you've been looking forward to that, and I definitely enjoyed getting the, uh, your comments or emails, questions for this episode that I'm looking forward to answering. A um, couple things, first of all, uh, just since I aired the episode, I've had a couple clients come in and talk to me about the episode and it's fun to kind of get their feedback because it's more live and and you get to hear their impressions of it but um, it's interesting when uh, I had one couple come in and they were talking about the episode and and just kind of saying oh yeah like you know it's crazy because we know people they're like well first of all they were like there really no green doors in Canada I'm like I don't know I mean I don't there could be some green doors in Canada I don't know I just never um had any information about green doors in Canada uh, when I was growing up again I grew up in a small town so there, I don't think there was any green doors there so but anyway um, but that's beside the point point. Um, and then of course one of the things that they said too is just the fact that they knew people that tried different alternative lifestyles and maybe the couple really wasn't on the same page as as um, they maybe thought they were and and, and a lot of times those situations just kind of blew up on them and relationships ended and stuff like that. So kind of like from the previous episode when I talked about that, you know, you really have to, um, I know that I, the idea of spicing things up and making things more exciting in your sex life um, sounds appealing in, in a lot of different ways. And it can be, I mean, it can be a great thing for your relationship. Um, but you got to really be um, selective and careful about what you choose to do that and really vet the process and make sure that you're on the same page with things um, before you kind of take on something especially of that nature so anyway again it's good to get the feedback uh, one thing I do want to spend time in and it's not I don't want to always talk about it as far as the rating thing and, and, and sending reviews um, but I know a lot of people want to um, rate the show and give it a review and so this is why I'm doing it because when I talk to people and they say, hey, like, how do you do this? Like, um, you know, we don't really understand it. So basically the ratings and reviews are only for, I mean, I think other systems have it, but really if you listen to it on Apple Podcast, then when you pull up the available episodes and you scroll down, it will say ratings um, and then it will like tap to rate and you can tap like there's five stars there. You can tap up to five stars. Um, and then if you scroll down a little bit longer, it was a little bit further, it will say write a review. So again, that's for, if you're listening to it on Apple Pod, on Apple Podcast, um, those are the ratings and reviews I'm talking about. And again, you go in, you can look at the available episodes and it's on, if you just scroll down, you'll see the, you know, tap to rate and then further down to write a review. So, um, and really quick, just because I know we all like competition and, you know, some friendly, maybe fire, um, I want to say my Canadian homeland people, 
um, my, my listeners in Canada, uh, they've done a great job at, at uh, rating the show and giving it reviews. So I appreciate that. So uh, my, US, my US people, um, you know, got to step it up and get some more ratings and reviews out there because the Canadians are beating you right now in terms of those reviews. So anyway, um, I appreciate it though. I appreciate the feedback. And like I said, getting the, um, the questions for today's episode. Um, as a foundation for building that that was great to hear so uh, so let's get into that let's talk about sex and let's talk about your questions and 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 um, how we can improve on our our sexual relationships within our relationships so anyway all right so the first question I want to address is what is normal that that's one of the questions that kept coming up in a couple different emails what's normal or what's like what's a normal expectation Um, and typically when I think about what's normal for sex life or or what's normal um, often I think people tend to be um, thinking about frequency or that's what they're referring to when they ask that question like what's a normal frequency for a couple Um, and typically when I have people in my office I, I use usually one to two times per week as an average or what I would consider to be fairly normal. Um, So that's just kind of what I put out there. I mean, you know, when it comes to the whole normal thing too, you know, I'm sure that we've all wondered about other people's sex lives um, and how ours compares. I think that's just kind of where we're human. We do that kind of stuff and we think about, you know, where we're at in relation to other people. Uh, we may even think, you know, what do they do to keep the excitement going? Um, do they use things like fantasy, role play, oral sex, what you know, um, whatever it may be? And also, um, again, back to the frequency: how often are they having sex? What, you know, what what is other people's frequency? Um, so, what if you know what is really normal uh, then for couples? Um, for for this type of situation, I, I like to bring in the research for for those types of things just to kind of give us a baseline for you know what what's out there there was a recent study that was done and in that study 80 percent of the couple 80 percent of couples were having sex at least a few times a month or more and of that 80 percent 32 percent i know it's a little confusing but of the 80 percent that responded 32% 32% reported having sex at least two to three times, two to three times per week, while 48% reported a few times a month. So if we really want to break down those numbers, you have this unknown 20% that, that either didn't report at all, that they were at zero or less than a few times a month. Then you have the 48% that were a few times a month uh, for having sex. And then you have the 32% that were having sex uh, three, two to three times per week. So, um, so that's kind of how those numbers break down. So when, when I say an average is, you know, one to two times per week, uh, that's probably off according to that research. Um, because, you know, 32%, uh, of that, of, of a hundred percent, obviously. So there's still, um, 68% of people that are having less, having sex less than two to three times per week. Um, so it's really not necessarily the average or normal, but I just think I just look at it as like that's a good number to aim for um, when you're when we're kind of thinking about like getting to a better at least frequency in our relationships. One to two times per week kind of stands out for me, and I, I you know even with the research I still kind of hold to that. I think that that's a good a, a good number to to work towards. 
Um, so again, getting back to normal, I think the one biggest thing about this and answering this question for people is that, you know, obviously we are each in, we're each in charge of our own normal. Uh, what, might, what might be normal for me may not be normal for someone else, and that's okay. You know, um, I think really instead of using the word normal, we should really look to use the word satisfaction. And, and, and in using satisfaction, it's more of the idea of like, are you satisfied with your current sex life? You know, does it make you happy? Do you feel fulfilled by it? Um, and, and obviously, do you feel fulfilled by it? Does your partner feel fulfilled by, by it? Does it make you both happy? So I think satisfaction is really the key uh, when we're looking at these things because some people may feel satisfied by two times a month or you know where others may feel that that's nowhere close to being satisfactory. So I think it's important for you and your spouse to get on the same page with what that is. What, what brings you satisfaction or um, you know, when it comes to satisfaction in relation to not only frequency, but obviously just the overall sex that you're having, are you satisfied with it? And, and if you're far apart on that, if, if you know, you're far apart in your frequency and what you think fit, would satisfy that, and obviously if you're having difficulty or challenges with satisfaction with the sex that you're having, then you, know, you got some work to do and you need to start talking about it and start working on the things that are going to help to improve that overall satisfaction. So, so again, don't really think about normalcy because again, normalcy is such a, 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 I think it's a too broad of a subject, but really bring it down to satisfaction. And am I satisfied? Is my spouse satisfied or my partner satisfied with our current sexual relationship? Does it make us happy? Does it make us feel fulfilled? And use that for your barometer, not necessarily what other, obviously what other people are doing or uh, what you think they're doing. Because uh, again, a lot of times we think maybe people are, are having more sex than maybe, maybe they really are. Or we th- um, and so it's really more comes down to our own level of satisfaction and really just try to focus on that. And so um, that, that really then leads me to my next issue or question that was asked about. And that question is, how do you deal with different levels of desire for sex in a relationship? So in a sense, then what's that saying is when you have one partner who desires sex more frequently than the other, how do you deal with that? What are some ways or some things to do to kind of, you know, work through that? Um, and, and I think that that's a pretty common one for people. Uh, typically, there's, there, you know, most of the relationships that I come across there tends to always be one person that desires sex more frequently than the other. So this isn't an, this isn't an, an uncommon uh, situation for couples that I work with or that I see. Uh, so, all right, so when couples come into my office though, I typically approach this topic from the following perspective. Now this is where I wish I had a whiteboard so I could show you that I like to draw these things when couples come in. Sorry, I need to take a drink there. Um, so when, uh, when couples come in, what I do, I write on the board, I write the words desire and arousal, and they're separated. And then underneath that, I write arousal and desire in the opposite order. And this is a dynamic that I talk a lot about with them. So you have desire and then arousal on one side, and then underneath that, you have arousal and desire on the other side. And most often, th- this is the way it plays out or it tends to play out, 
men have a greater desire for sex, which then leads them to arousal. Uh, therefore, you know, men tend to be the ones who initiate and want sex more. Uh, whereas for women, the dynamic is reversed where you have arousal and then desire. And ultimately what that means is that the desire they have for sex is, you could kind of look at it as being somewhat dormant, dormant and that it needs to be brought out through arousal. So it's not that they don't necessarily have the desire, um, but it's just, it's kind of, like I said, in, in dormant or in a dormant state, but needs to be, um, yeah, uh, I guess, yeah, aroused in some sense uh, in order to, to feel it. So it's not that necessarily one partner does not want sex. It's more that the way that they feel the desire for it is much different. And if you look at it that way, uh, it's a little little different, a little, little bit more of a perspective as, as, as a way of kind of looking at saying, okay, maybe my spouse or my partner doesn't necessarily not want to have sex. They just, I, we just might need to work on things in a different way so that the frequency, the, the amount of sex that we're having, you know, increases because the way that it comes to them is, is much different. So as a, again, as opposed to thinking that the partner has less desire or does not like sex, they just need to be aroused first or focus on what is going to be arousing for them. And, you know, for the most part, when you do uh, hear, I mean, at least when I hear, like, when you think about this dynamic of, of desire, desiring sex, when you, when you hear people, uh, or when do you, I guess, hear people who have less desire complain about actually having sex after the fact? And the reality is they don't because, you know, once they're engaged and they're aroused, obviously the desire comes and you know they feel they feel good about the sex that they're having so it, it everything works out in that way so again it's just a matter of the process of getting us there men for the most part desire and then arousal so there's not a whole lot of effort that has to go into getting that desire whereas women women need to have that arousal focused on in order to get to the desire and obviously that can that's a little bit more of a process and, and can take a little bit more effort. Uh, so because of that, there's a couple things I want you to keep in mind when you think about this process of, of desire and arousal. Uh, first, the partner that has a high desire uh, already, they need to be better at paying attention for, uh, to their partner's needs for intimacy slash arousal. Uh, so they need to start by then having a conversation about the things that their partner feels will create that arousal for them. You know, so I think everybody's different in that way. What, what kind of creates that sense of arousal for them? What turns them on, I guess you could say in a sense, or makes them feel more of a desire for sex. Uh, often that can include things like touch or verbal I love you's, talking to one another, listening, sharing responsibilities of the household. I mean, those things can all lead to an arousal for a person that's on the other side of that equation. Um, so that's one thing. So the person with that high desire, they need to be more attentive to the arousal needs of the other partner. Um, and then the less desirous partner, they need to be mindful of the higher desire partner's need for more frequent sex. I mean, uh, so according to the book, How to Improve Your Marriage Without Talking About It, uh, something that they say in relation to the high desire person is that the longer that the high desire person goes without sex, their body will actually start to tighten, 
they may have trouble sleep, sleeping. Uh, sexual thoughts will occupy their, occupy their mind. And then sex becomes far more important to them than it should be. So it becomes like this constant thing that they're thinking about. And then, you know, think other things kind of tend to go by the wayside. And they're not really thinking about those things because sex is becoming such a predominant way of thinking for them. So ultimately, then it takes a collective effort from both parties to get, a better, to, get to a better place with intimacy. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, we each have needs that need to be met and we have to be willing to do our part. So the high desire person has to be willing to do the part of creating more of arousal and the less desirous person needs to be more willing to just attend to the needs of the high desire person in terms of, of, of having more frequent sex. So that's, that's that dynamic in a nutshell. And I think that, again, it's important to understand that from the from the again the perspective of not necessarily personalizing things and, and taking things in a way of like hey my my partner doesn't want to have sex when in reality that may not be the case it's just like I said that their desire for it it's just different you know it takes a little bit more to get them to that place of desire so anyway hopefully that helps um, another challenge I think to improving our intimacy in our relationships uh, is knowing what you're up against and I know that maybe that Sounds a little confusing right now, but um, you know, I think especially for people where their relationship has lacked intimacy or sex for a long time, um, you know, obviously it's not just a matter of getting back on the saddle or knowing what each other's needs are. Um, there's a lot of things that can kind of come into the middle of that. Uh, feelings like inadequacy, fear, shame, failure, can all now be present as a result of a lack of, of intimacy and sex in a relationship. Uh, also, one or more individuals may feel unattractive or unloved, uh, and and you know these are not easy feelings to to get over or even to get through. And then, if those feelings are present, if we have one or more of those responses as it pertains to our sex life, then the stronger I think our resistance will be to change uh, because change will require facing those feelings. Um, you know, and again, those are all, like none of those things are easy. Fear, shame, inadequacy, failure, uh, feeling unattractive or unloved. I th even though I think all of us experience, you know, the you know, maybe one or more of these feelings, maybe not them all at, diff at different points in our relationship. Um, I think we do all have those moments where that, that comes to us. So, so working through it will then require a feeling of discomfort. Um, also to be vulnerable, to talk about it, um, and to talk about what we're experiencing with our partners. But I think that doing so uh, really does help because again, uh, those things just they're they're pre they're pretty common. Um, you know, again, we you know we don't always keep the same weight throughout our relationships. You know, we gain weight, we do the you know different things like that, so we might feel less attractive about ourselves. Um, where you know, even though we're feeling or we're having that internal struggle, you know, our spouse may not see us differently, or our partner not may not see us differently, or they may be content with us in terms of feeling attracted to us. So it's something that we're feeling, and then that leads to maybe us depriving our partner of sex because we don't feel good about ourselves and so again all these different dynamics can start to happen where we start to pull away and these and then that causes 
um, more, you know, more issues or challenges. So then it, it, um, it, it becomes problematic for sure. Uh, so it's important to obviously consider these factors when thinking about improvements in our sex life. Um, obviously it's not always as simple as just having more sex or trying uh, new things um, when, we, when we start this process. Uh, now having said that though, um, I do want to at this point issue a challenge. Uh, to those listening uh, and before you start this challenge or before you engage in this challenge though there is one requirement you do need to discuss uh, any of the previous issues that I just brought up uh, with your uh, partner and kind of bring out any of the areas of concern that may be there um, and obviously then take the steps to correcting them but I think for a lot of those things, it's just really simply a matter of talking about it and sharing it with your with your partner that you have those some of those feelings. Because um, you know, I mean, when we feel inadequate or when we feel in, uh, unattractive or things like that, you know, so, like I said, sometimes just sharing that and having our our partner validate us over different things and and comfort us or affirm us or reassure us or whatever it may be. You know that can be the biggest thing that we need at that point and so it doesn't always necessarily take like a ton of extra work to deal with that it's just being vulnerable enough to say hey I don't feel this way or I don't feel attractive or I feel inadequate or I don't feel like I'm you know a, a good lover or whatever it may be because you know we're not being intimate or things of that nature so so just the, the vulnerability part can be a challenge so that so that's the first part before you go into this challenge that I'm going to put out there, uh, I definitely want you to have that discussion first. Uh, then I would like you to try a 60-day just say yes challenge, okay? 60-day just say yes challenge. So anytime, so basically how this works is that anytime one person wants sex, the answer has to be yes. Now, before you freak out or before you, well, freak out in, in either way, whether you're excited because this is something you're, you want or because if you freak out because you're dreading that or think that your partner is going to, you know, use that to the fullest or whatever it may be, um, this, is why, uh, this is why this is important. Um, so a couple things, from, especially from what we just talked about, when the anxiety of deprivation is gone so when you're feeling less anxiety about just being deprived of intimacy or when the dread of making excuses is gone or the guilt of withholding is gone it really opens up a whole new sense of being in the relationship uh, so that's where sex can be enjoyed again and that's what you know you want to have you want to be able to have sex be enjoyed again in your relationship and so when we take those things away when we take the anxiety of those things away or we take the dread of those things away then it allows that for that to happen and we just kind of have have the mindset of yes i'm gonna i'm going to participate in this and, uh, and i'm gonna acknowledge this and i'm gonna um try to work on this and i'm just gonna just gonna say yes um now i think many of you will be ultimately surprised how well this works and I promise, because this is maybe where we start to think, that this will not result in us just being in bed all day and, uh, you know, having sex at all hours of the day. Um, 
Now, it's not to say there might not be an initial spike, of course, because people get excited. They'll be like, okay, I'm going to use this or I'm going to whatever, you know, going to maybe use this to the fullest or whatever. But ultimately, it's going to level out, and I think you'll be pleased with the results, okay? So, um, so the 60-day Just Say Yes Challenge, but again, before you have that or take on that challenge, you need to have that pre-conversation first just to talk about any potential concerns or issues that might be lingering about feelings that you have uh, in relation to intimacy. Uh, so, okay. All right. So go ahead, start that, uh, you know, and then uh, let me know how it goes. You know, let me know how that works for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how that helps your, your relationship. So, all right. So the last thing, this is the last question I wanted to address and, and, and touch on. And many people asked just simply, what can I do to have a better sex life? Now, again, you might be surprised by this answer. Uh, it may not be the answer that you were thinking, um, but I will again go, kind of go back to the research for this one, uh, just to kind of give you a foundation for this. And uh, actually, this this research uh, has to do with a study that was done, and it included seventy thousand couples. So uh, quite a few participants in this, and it was seventy thousand couples throughout twenty four different countries. So this study, uh, if, you, if you're interested in looking it up and seeing what other parts of it are out there, it can be actually found in the book called The Normal Bar. So again, kind of like trying to establish some type of normalcy about what's normal, what's not. But the book is The Normal Bar. And so ultimately, uh, the research in this book, you know, couples who had a great sex life did the following things in their relationship. So, um, so this is kind of what that looked like for them uh, in, in relation to what they found as far as couples who had a great sex life, okay? So first thing is uh, these couples said a meaningful I love you daily to their partners. Um, now, you know, that again, like I said, that may not be something that you thought, but, you know, I think for me, the, the saying of I love you on a lot of different levels is, is a very important thing that we do for our, for our partners on a daily basis. I think there's a lot of value to that, not only just in the, obviously in the building a sense of intimacy, but I think it uh, helps us to stay connected. It helps us to stay close. And, and, and again, it's not just a oh, love you, whatever. It's a meaningful, I love you that we, that we share with our partner. So that's the first thing. The next thing is that these couples tended to compliment their partner frequently. Um, you know, I, I, that's something that can be a difficult thing for people or just kind of getting in the habit or routine of that. So complimenting our, our partner is important. Um, the third thing was that they would buy one another uh, surprise romantic gifts. So again, things like that where we're kind of, you know, trying to be thoughtful, trying to be mindful, trying to do things to surprise our partner and, and, and uh, just kind of keep things in a good place that way. Uh, the next thing, which you know I can definitely say is important, is that you have to have romantic vacations. Uh, and again, obviously that's just the two of you, because I don't really know if romantic vacations and kids go hand in hand. Pretty sure that's not the case. So uh, you know th that re does require you know you and just your spouse. And I think those are great. You know, and they then and here's the thing: when I say romantic vacation, I want to clarify that in the sense of you know, it doesn't have to be a week away to Hawaii or anything like that. Um, you know, obviously people that live here in Vegas, 
I mean, they can have a weekend down at the strip or they can, you know, go to a hotel and just kind of like have a get, it can be a, like a staycation type thing. It's just something where just the two of you though, get away, do something nice. And then obviously, you know, if you can, you know, build up to this where it's like, hey, maybe we do go on a week vacation to Hawaii just for ourselves, you know. I know me and my wife have kind of made a couple trips recently like that. We went to Boston together um, and just, you know, spent time together. And, and, and I think it's, it's great for your relationship to do those, to do those things. So, um, so romantic vacations, just the two of you. Uh, couples that were in this, rela- in this study also, another thing they found is they kissed one another passionately for no reason at all. So not that it had to be leading to sex or anything of that nature, but they would just kiss, kiss each other passionately. Um, they also found that these couples regularly cuddled with one another. Um, they also had weekly dates, which, you know, again, is another important thing. I think we hear that all the time or it's stressed all the time that we have weekly dates. And I know, again, there's, there's challenges to that, whether it's kids or different things like that. But that is an important aspect of things. I know I struggle with that one sometimes myself. Um, just making that a priority, you know, at the end of the work week or whatever it is, you know, but it, it is a, it's a, it's a quality thing to, to have with your spouse. Uh, next is that these couples made sex a priority and talked about it with one another in a comfortable way and they talked about it often. So making it a priority, talking about it frequently and definitely we're, we're comfortable about talking about it in whatever way. And then the last thing is that the couples were open to a variety of sexual activities. So, so just, and I think really what that means is that the sexual activities, it could be just like, again, whether it's, you know, different varieties of sex, oral, you know, trying different things, um, just, you know, kind of being more playful about it uh, and stuff like that. So, um, but those are the things that led to uh, a better sex life. Now, again, maybe some of those things you thought of or would think of. I think one thing for me is that you, that if you really look at those things, you'll notice that obviously the last two were specifically about sex and the others were more about things that we can do to kind of build our connection with our spouse, uh, which I believe ultimately will lead to, to more sex. You know, if we're more connected, if we feel closer, if we feel a greater sense of love, uh, sex will be a byproduct of those things and it will be a greater part of a relationship. But we still have to pay attention to the last two. We still have to make it a priority and be engaged in that. And we have to be willing to keep it, you know, keep it interesting, spice it up, try to do things that will make us engaged in the process and uh, be willing to do that with one another. So to me, the bottom line is we have to be willing to do our part and our part in the work we have to make it a priority uh, regardless of whatever stage of life that we're at Uh, I know a lot of times we get stuck in the idea that you know we have kids or this or that or whatever uh, so it makes it harder and it does make it harder but then that just means you have to work harder at keeping it uh, up and keeping it a part of your relationship and and trying to do things to make sure that it is a priority so uh, but that's those are the things, those are the questions I got emailed in, and, and I think that those are definitely a good starting point for uh, building our relationships and, and trying to get intimacy and sex back into our relationship if we're struggling with it, or if we're not necessarily struggling with it, 
But again, going back to what I said before about being satisfied or having a greater sense of satisfaction, I think that's the thing that we need to focus on. Are we satisfied? Are we happy? Do we feel fulfilled by our sexual relationship? And if not, then here are some things that we can do to improve on that. And going back to the challenge, the 60-day challenge, the just say yes challenge, you know, looking at the things behind it. What are we trying to get away from? We're trying to get away from those negative things that could be there with the negative feelings or the feelings of fear and adequacy or anxiety and the excuses and all those things. That's what we're trying to remove so that we can just enjoy sex again. We can just enjoy it for what it is. It's something that can bond us in our relationship and bring us together and we need to get rid of the negative parts of it so that we can have that sense of fulfillment with it again. So anyway, I appreciate your questions. I appreciate you listening. Um, once again, just uh, give the show a rating if you can and, and a review as well. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, it's the one thing just I'm asking for. And, and I know that, like I said before, a lot of people wanted to do it. They just didn't know how. So if you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to give it a review and a rating, that would be great. I would appreciate it and look forward to next time. And this is The Vegas Therapist. I'm Ryan Winder, your host, and we'll see you soon. 